morning. <laughs> Welcome to the round table. Morning, Ronnie. How are you? I'm supposed to go on the baseball game, too. Yeah, okay. Enough about that. Enough about that. Guys, welcome to the round table. Glad you're here this morning. I was just talking to David up here. You know, we had the, had the session last week uh, with Phil, and let me tell you about him. He's updated. I'll give you an update. He is in Tennessee with his dad, uh, helping his sister get him out of the hospital and get him somewhere where he can, can do some rehab in 92. I don't know what kind of rehab you do at that age, but uh, <laughs> going to be more being able to take care of yourself, I guess. But he's a tough fellow. Never met him, but just hearing Phil describe him, he's just just a tough fellow that's not ready to give up on life. So Phil's spending a little time with him. Uh, Roan and Ben are going to fill in this morning very capably. But last week, talking about judgment, so if you're talking to Davis, man, you know, shared a text message yesterday, just kind of encouraging going over that little piece that I've heard Phil say before and heard Ron say recently about the old farmer and two dogs. Which dog wins when they get in a fight? The old farmer says the dog's got to feed. I thought, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the enemy. Which one do you feed every day? dwell on your sins the bad stuff the darkness the secrets the hidden stuff the problems or do you feed the god the father the holy spirit the one that comforts us the one that provides everything we have which one do you feed i was telling david hey i can share that with another man sharing it with my wife <coughs> It took me a little while, but I sent a text message to her, and she responded and said, this is great. I really appreciate you sending that to me. We're about to focus on feeding the good today. Where are you in your relationship with your wife, your children, your boss, the guy sitting next to you? Which dog are you going to feed today? Give me up to the prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. I thank you for my brothers, Ben and Ron, for sharing this morning, bringing your word to life, coaching us in what it means to be a man. I thank you for Jeff and Jeff and Chris and the leadership team preparing the room and getting breakfast ready and the coffee served, taking care of the day-to-day -day activities here. I want to thank you for ceasefire, for providing the breakfast and for hosting us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Um, so, guys, this morning, um, I just want to open with um, just one little reading of Scripture. Um, and then, um, Jeff, we're going to play the song. Uh, kind of the talk of today of our, our or the title of our talk is, um, you know, Freedom. Um, the great jewel of life. Um, it, it's certainly tied into the series that we've been doing. Phil talked about uh, relationships uh, last week and kind of how those work. And um, I would say the subtitle of our kind of talk this morning um, is what I call 
tenacious love. I believe that the um, one of the great man words in all of life, it is tenacity. Um, let me just read you a few things of what tenacity means. The definition of tenacity is the state of holding on to an idea or a thing very strongly. The ability to keep doing something difficult, perseverance, determination, persistence, stick-to-itiveness, single-mindedness, doggedness, chutzpah, great, love that word, courage, determination, firmness, grit, guts, spunk, steadfastness, backbone, doggedness, follow through, gutsiness, heart, moxie, courage, metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, -T -T -E, spirit, resolution. And those are man words, right? And on the handout, you'll see, I mean, most of the fill in the blanks are tenacity or tenacious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here we go. Yeah, tenacious D, right? Thank you, Jeff. But guys, even that is uh, very intentional because our concept of love, it's just kind of off in today's world. I mean, certainly love in our culture is just, really jacked up sorry jack um but when you think about i mean the way that love is talked about and the way that people fall in love and fall out of love and i sit with christians when somebody says that to me i just want to jump up and slap them punch them well slap the woman i'll hit the guy in the face that that's just that's stupid you just walking down the street and love fell on top of you or something you got hit by a tree limb think about that you fall in you fall out of love we'll look around at the culture that's the concept right and then if we go to church mm, love is sweet love is kind love is jesus with this little therapy support animal yeah, please send the complaints to Phil on that because I don't care. Honestly. Is that is that the picture of the Jesus that you want to follow? Not me. He ain't that. He's not. Just go read the text. I mean, Jesus walked around mostly picking fights. He confronted he didn't just, he wasn't codependent. Jesus, come over here. No, I'm going over here. Jesus, come heal these people. No, I'm going to do this. And then when he runs into the religious types, hey, Peter, hold my wine. Watch this. And then he rolls them. I don't know. 
you don't like that, I guess you must be reading another Bible. So Galatians 5.1 is this idea of freedom. <laughs> and here's what Paul writes. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Hard love. Play that song loud, Jeff.
So, guys, welcome Ben Derrick once again. Uh, ben and I are going to probably not follow the handout at all as we, uh, we don't want to break our tradition. Um, we just kind of get going and it just something happens. Uh, I love my brother. Um, we have just started our podcast. Um, Eve and I started uh, based on our book. Um, our book is Sex, God, and the Chaos of Betrayal, uh, The Couple's Roadmap of Hope and Healing. And uh, we just launched our podcast, the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast, hosted by Ben Derrick. Um, and it's probably going to wind up being like the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast with Roan Hunter and Ben Derrick. Eva will be a special guest on her podcast <laughs> every now and then. I don't, I don't know if she's... she's Either way. Yeah, she she does it, but I kind of make her, um, which that's pretty much, that's amazing <laughs> that I can make my wife do anything. Um, but it, uh, it we've done three episodes, um, we've dropped two, and mm -hmm. we got a lot more to come, and man, it's just kind of fun, dude. Yeah, yeah, to be able to get this message out to unsuspecting listeners <laughs> has been, has been, all know. the guys looking for porn and find right? this podcast yeah, they yeah. just they google sex and then our podcast yeah. comes up yeah we'll get a lot of hits that's right of that yeah. right <laughs> uh man so dude um you know today just this idea of tenacious love and i love that song man when the wolves come to hunt me down I will, I will stand my ground um, because we are hunted every day in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking, listen to that song. That is the antithesis of softly and tenderly. <laughs> you said, you know what I mean? Softly and tenderly. Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. Sweet. Jesus it's so, so sweet. Yeah. So it's, sweet. It's interesting when you think about just the religious atmosphere that most mm. of us were. Uh, brought up in and the things that we have attached to God that that environment taught us that just are incorrect you know I see the people people get the most mad at you when you start describing Jesus which is interesting to me uh, yeah I love it you know I, you know I do it on purpose uh, it's just it's really fun right yeah, yeah. But the, yeah but it's true you know it's true and I think it, it just shows us when we have those things light off in us when you start describing the real Jesus or anyone does how much trouble it gets us in and how much trouble Jesus was in um, I mean they murdered the man yeah they typically don't take nice sweet men and uh, drag them up a hill beating them and nail them on a cross and kill them um, they Mr. Rogers that would never happen to him right yeah and I think part of the story that people skip over is that was religiously motivated yeah, that's the hard part. The only problem was at that time, religion didn't have the power to do what they wanted to do. So they incorporated the government in their scheme because the government did have the power. So we blame the Romans, but we should really be blaming the religious zealot at the time. Now, it was all part of God's larger plan. We can't sure. ignore that theology. Yeah. But we do need to understand the part that religion played in that in viewing Jesus as an outsider. And we still do that today. And, you know, Jesus was uh, really big on the institutional, organizational system, right? Yeah. Wasn't he? I, I, yeah. read, I yeah, read a lot of that. It's certainly a modern construct in that yeah. if you, you know, the full-time vocational ministry thing, which you and I have been talking a lot about this lately, mm -hmm. um, then we're all supposed to be 
ministers of the gospel. And there's been a little bit of bastardization of bringing people in and saying, let me give you a full-time salary to be that so we don't have to. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's like always, you get paid to be nice, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a way that the system has to work together. So I'm, I'm really interested in this conversation today because it really drives towards relationship. And I think for me, uh, what religion was trying to solve and never could, relationship did quickly. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Jesus came and blew the temple model of worship up. I mean, the veil was torn. You know, there's so much symbolism and and then certainly the things that he said and you know what jesus modeled was um like walking around with some guys and telling stories and you know he would have shown movies as phil and i always say if he was walking the earth today right mm. parables um and then they talked about life a lot and they probably sat around a lot of campfires and you know just shot the yeah yeah i'll they, take over there yeah yeah there you go <laughs> right yeah yeah i think that's absolutely correct i mean uh, institutional faith and you know people say gosh you know you, you guys are so hard on the church and you attack the church and um i've said before in conversations i worked inside the church for a decade i have that right amen and you can't take it from me i love the church enough to talk about the problems and its methodology interestingly enough if you look at the pattern of god God was willing to change his system, motivated by love, to reach into the lives of his kids. Mm. He had one system that he put in place, and that system had a purpose. And then in Jesus, the system changed. And it didn't just kind of change. There was no like little thermometer that Jesus had. Like, <laughs> if we can raise enough money, then we can change the system. You know, oh, yeah. with us and in the baptistry. It wasn't that way. Jesus was like, this changes everything. everything. This changes mm. everything. So so god was willing to change the system and why was he was he just was he bored was he cosmically bored <laughs> no he was motivated by love to say this system has degraded in such a way which this is in the old testament it it's not about keep your sacrifice god says but he didn't just stand at a distance and say i'm so upset at the way my sons and daughters have messed this up and good riddance mm. he sent his son motivated by love which as i read one of the hardest lives ever lived was Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. I mean, just what he went through, what he did, That's uh, right. how, how he lived. That's right. Yeah. That was the motivator, that difficult love, and that Jesus showed it over and over again. So I guess what I'm saying is if we hold on so tightly to our systems, and when we say church, what we think is the Western American mm. model of church, we're missing it. Totally. Missing. And, and as you say, you've been in the system. Mm. Uh, and I've certainly been a part of the system. Uh, I came to Jesus when I was 20 years old. And all I needed to do was to go to church, uh, right? I needed a lot of counseling, probably needed to go inpatient treatment. Uh, there are a lot of things that, that probably would have been better. But at that time, all I needed to do was go to church. And uh, I've had guys that have come even to our men's coaching weekends, and they don't know me, and they hear me talk, and they're like, they'll ask Phil or something is Ron a Christian, you know, which I love, man, that's the greatest compliment anybody can ever give me, right? Because the way that we think of Christian yeah. today is just so, I don't know. I've what, had that same thing happen, by the way. Yeah, yeah. People that I've been at the gym with, one guy over two years, Yeah. and he overheard me having a conversation with someone who had visited church the weekend prior, Yeah. and he pulled me aside and he said, 
Dude, you're a pastor. Yeah. Isn't that a great? What a big gift you just gave. That's such a compliment. Yeah. And then I always say, I've been involved in church since the day I came to Jesus. Been a part, served, done all the stuff, give. I still am. And I always tell guys, you're not going to change the system by throwing rocks through the stained glass windows from the outside. Mm. You better be involved. You better be engaged. And you better be pounding that pastor's desk. Uh, hitting him in the head with a two by four. You got to be throwing rocks from the inside. You got to throw rocks through those stained glass windows. It, and it's just simply about changing the system because you know, I know, Bill knows, many of us in, the, in this room know, we just sat with and known so many guys along the way that are very engaged in the system and they are dying. They are broken. They are hurting and they're in it. So the big question we ask, I think we should start asking, let's, let's, we have a captive audience, let's do it now. Yeah. Uh, whether it is the church or whether it is your story, man, mm. let's, let's think about this question. Are you open to change? It's a big question for a man to ask of his own heart. Are you open to change? If the answer is no, I can <laughs> guarantee you that you're going to distance yourself from the God of Christianity because he is always changing and modifying the things that he's doing to try to grow his kids mm. into a place of freedom. If you are resistant to change, you are never going to grow. And God is going to be changing and working his redemptive process out across the world. And you're going to be stuck in your chair pouting at home. That's just the truth. So we have to be comfortable with change. And I'm saying this so emphatically because I haven't been comfortable with change. I <laughs> Who he is? Yeah, I've been putting myself in environments that were willing to change, but internally I'm resistant. And especially if my wife wants me to change, I'm super resistant. Mm -hmm. It's just part of my personality. And she knows it. And man, she she gets big, right? Um, but we need, to, we need to write this question down in our journal and we need to think about it on a daily basis. Am I open to change? Because that question spurs either growth or not mm. and you know really life is all about change um, circumstances change um, life situations uh, relationships change uh, change is is change happens right that bumper sticker um, uh, is that force gone yeah yeah that that's it but but it's coming and and if you are resistant to that um, you're gonna get stuck and you're going to live in your fear of changing and being open. And fear is the thing that takes us out. Um, and it's like, I've got to be willing to admit. <laughs> mm. Step number one, we admit we were powerless, right? Um, I've got to admit that, you know, my circumstances, my life situation, it's kind of sucking right now. And here's the wonderful, wonderful thing about God. Um, you know, God is a jealous lover and he loves us so much and he wants what's best for us. He has our best interest at heart and he will drag us by the, he'll grab us and he'll jerk us through a keyhole. Um, it, I always say, I don't, God's not really that interested in your pain because he uses it for his purpose. Oh dear, that's not nice and sweet. Um, 
and our pain will get greater in those circumstances until we get on our knees and like, God help me, I need to change. I mean, that's the way God works. I wish I could just read it in a book or something. And, yeah, 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 hear yeah. a good sermon about it's it. It's a commitment to it, yeah. yeah. Let's let's talk about it from a masculine point of view because when, when a man hits a desperate place, I mean, mm. is there anyone in here who hasn't hit a desperate place? <laughs> As long as you sign coming in, you, you have credit for being here. Yeah. We all hit desperate places. And when we hit desperate places, the last thing I want is a nice person. Mm. I want someone with transformative power. I'll give you a brief story. I was diagnosed with cancer at 17. I'm sitting in a doctor's office, uh, all sorts of cancer throughout my family. The, the dare genetics are just pitiful, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting in this office, and it's actually the doctor that helped my grandfather with pancreatic cancer live almost three years so i know this guy's got the goods um his personality was terrible and he was apologizing for that his bedside manner and i said stop i don't need a friend i need a doctor amen i'm not here to make friends this is 17 i'm petrified I'm like i got plenty of buddies i need somebody that can fix this can you fix this he sits back in his chair and he says i can do that Mm, that's mm. what I needed you know a lot of us are walking around we're even walking around our religious church environments and we're like pretending like we need friends what we actually need is somebody with transformative power a true friend is going to point us to who that is that's Jesus Christ if we if we go to Jesus Christ and we have these paradigms in our mind of who he is softly and tenderly mm, you know, mm. then we're going to get confused when God actually meets us with the requirement to change mm. Yeah, and, and, you know, that certainly ties back into this idea of tenacious love, right? Uh, it's somebody that, that they'll love you, they'll walk with all kind of crap, they'll walk through you, walk through that with you, and then they'll kick you in the butt, right? Man, I love you, dude, you're screwing this up. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know your, your tendencies, I know how you'll get when you get under stress, and I see you withdrawing from your wife, or I see you blaming her. No, dude, this is on you. That, those are the guys we need in our life. And those are the people, the guys will report, you know, the, the, the coach that was the hardest on me, uh, the teacher that was the toughest, right? You hated it in the moment, but when you look back, you're like, man, that, that person had an impact. And we actually have an example. Um, this is uh, my counseling mentor um, that... Um, that I try to model um, the work that I do around. Um, and I think this is, this guy exemplifies uh, tenacious, hard love. Where it pays off. The training and the discipline. No other outfit in the world. Pull out of a winter battle, move a hundred miles, go into a major attack with no rest, no sleep, no hot food. God. God, I'm proud of these men.
that served under him, that sucker was, he wasn't soft, right? But man, he was in the fight with them and they loved him. That's why they did what they did. It's all born out of love, tenacious love. Yeah, so there's things, there are a few things that we need to change and just to contextualize where we're going here this morning, man, is that we're having to change our mind about some things that we've settled a long time ago that aren't helping us, okay? So I see a lot of, a lot of you guys with pens and I wanna just encourage you, <laughs> unlike my brother Ron, I do want you to write something down because I want you to think about it later, right? So I just want you to put two columns here and this isn't gonna explain a lot of your religious experience and why it hasn't worked. You don't have to say that, I'm gonna say it for you, okay? Here's the wrong pattern that we have adopted in connection to difficult love, in connection to relationships, in connection to our interaction with church, in connection to your own story, all right? Let's start it this way. Until you start telling your story yourself, you'll never stop the stories you're telling yourself, mm. all right? Keep that in your mind. You've got some stories that you're telling yourself that aren't right, and here's why you're doing these things. Here's how you're doing those things. Three things, the wrong pattern, okay? Repress. We need to explain what that word means. <laughs> Repress. Go away. The thing mm. that's inside, go away. You're not welcome here. Go away. It never listens, but that's step one. Then we disassociate. How do you explain that word? Oh, man, that was a long time ago. Water <laughs> under the bridge. That's not affecting me now, right? That's that this is. Oh, and then we'll, we'll throw a Bible verse with that one, you know, man, forgetting the things that are past, pressing on. Yeah. Therefore, right? if anyone is a Christ, we quoted this before, oh, yeah. he's a new creation. I say to that, <laughs> prove it. Yeah. Prove it. It depends on how much you are in Christ, whether that verse makes any sense to you. Amen. Okay. So repress, disassociate, and then forget. That is a man's strategy. <laughs> Almost all of us, <laughs> even, even the most religious among us. Look, I, I was the poster child for the Southern Baptist of the state of Mississippi. Uh, but you're up, in recovery now. Yeah, I grew up in that kind of family. I had a cancer diagnosis. I, anyway, we don't have time for that. Repress, disassociate, forget. All right, so take a moment before I give you the corrective pattern. Take a moment and think about that. Has hmm. that been true in your life? Have you repressed? Have you disassociated? And have you committed to forget? All right, follow-up question. How's that going? <laughs> How's that working for you? How's that going? Hmm. Okay. This, when it comes to difficult love, is not a godly pattern. We know this because we don't see it in the life of Jesus. We just don't. Okay, so what's what is the right process? This is going to be the challenge. I'm not interested in sharing this if you're not interested in hearing it. Do you want to hear the corrective <laughs> process? Yeah. Right. It's another thing. This is a test, man. We got to start sounding off. Yeah. Do you want it or not? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> Reveal. Dig in. Freedom. Freedom's on the worksheet somewhere, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Reveal. I kind of like that word. Dig in freedom. I mean, he's letting that stuff come to the surface. In fact, this is what Jesus did often instantly 
when someone approached him. There is a very revealing nature to interacting with Jesus. He was so good at it. Yes, it was full of love, hard love, but that is the corrective pattern. Reveal, dig in, freedom. Now, pay attention to how you feel about that corrective list. Does it scare you to death? Yeah. Mm, mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Scares you to death. In fact, most of you start making calculations. How much do I need to reveal to be a part of that column? But I want you to pay attention to something deeper. Your heart is drawn to that column. It's what you actually want because of that last destination, freedom. I think that we don't understand, and a little bit of the problem we have with Jesus is, we don't understand what it would be like to live free. And it scares us to death because it's gonna require something of us. Yeah, it always does. I mean, it certainly required something of him in order to set us free, right? I mean, he modeled this. I mean, Jesus was um, fully man, right? It's one reason we want to follow him. He models what it really means to be a man. Even on the handout, when Jesus says, this is the road to heaven, you know, or you know, Matthew 5, 20, I mean, take that out of Bible speak, right? It's on, it's on the handout. And Jesus is sitting there saying, like, man, all that crap that you think is going to work, your performance for God, your Bible knowledge for God, your Torah knowledge is what he would have said. There was no Bible back then. That's what he's saying. He says, man, that's a bunch of BS. Now, that's, 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 that's what he's saying. You've got to put it in the context of your life today. You know, people get pissed when I say stuff like that. I, I don't know. Go. That's what Jesus said. We just church it up. But that's what he's saying. That stuff is for nothing. Take it up with him, not me. Because Jesus talked about, every time he opened his mouth, he talked about relationship. He talked about love. Not the mamby-pamby love, the hard love, the tenacious love, the real love. Love confronts. Love tells the truth. Love is hard. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. And every time he opened his mouth, it was love the Lord your God, which I think any of us that want to do that, desire to do that, I think all of us would testify that that ain't easy i love what john eldridge says you know <laughs> every morning when i wake up i have to convince myself all over again that god is real i mean that that's what we're up against right and so man jesus just tells us you got to learn to love to love well to become a great lover like he is and it's hard. It's tough. It's not easy. And we'll get taken out if we don't have others putting heart into us. Encouragement. Paul tells us, man, encourage one another daily. And it's interesting. It's on the handout. I'm doing so good on this handout. I'm proud of you. Aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, under the tenacious love equals freedom. 
being wholehearted, courage to tell your story of who you are with your whole heart, not holding anything back. The Latin root word uh, for courage, C-O-U-R, it literally means heart. Paul is telling us, put heart into one another every day. That's what we need, because it's hard. All right, so I want to bring something up that's, that's on the presentation that I'm, I really want you to talk to me about in front of all these men, but it, it says show up to a real mm. men's group. Show up to a real group, and the, you have that, like, uh, bold and all caps. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, I used a huge font. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit of my experiences and especially um, if you walk in with one of these oh, yeah. to, to a group and look, I'm fascinated by this book and I believe it's the book of life and it has everything we need to know to navigate life well and to succeed. I really believe that. Um, but I see uh, men in there, they're actually opening it up and... <laughs> You know, like sitting and reading it. Oh, you have notes and stuff. Look how spiritual you are. Oh, man, that's impressive. Yeah. But this I, is what I stole that from something. This is what men are doing in the, in the groups. I just want you to see the Bible. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm I don't good. think I have what it takes for you to see me. But I'm good. Yeah. So, I think this is a big part of what it, what we need to do to define this. What is what is showing up to a, a real men's group, a real show up place. Not with the sense of judgment or shaming anyone. That's like really against what we do. Mm -hmm. um, but what does it look like? Because I find the more men that I interact with, the more men I find that don't really know what that means. Because no one's taught us. No, we've not. We haven't been a part of it. We haven't seen it modeled. As I said earlier, I've been in church all my Christian life, and I've been in part. I've been a part of men's ministry in um, different places, uh, Atlanta for many years great churches and all this stuff and men's ministry and all this. But I never found anything like uh, what we have here, which I believe is just a movement of God in the hearts of men in the buckle of the Bible belt, which is, a that's like a donkey talking, burning bush, Red Sea parting miracle because it's so religious, religiousized, is that a word? It is now. Yeah, um, but it's like, Everybody goes to church, right? I mean, I literally can drive by, I don't know, 10 churches from my house to my office, about 50, probably more, not, not going real far out of my way. And I always say, I'll tell pastors this, man, I, what are we doing? Look around. Look at our culture. What, what are we doing? We're sitting around with our twiddling our thumbs with our thumbs up our in our ear. I don't know. What are we doing? Whatever we're doing is just not working because I just have sat and been with so many men over a long number of years in a lot of different settings. And I look around church and most men are just bored. They're not engaged. They're coming probably because if they don't, their wife's going to be pissed. Um, and they go do the operation shoestring or whatever for the orphans and somewhere i don't know man does that does that light up your man heart doesn't light up mine i know that i've got to get in an environment with other men where there's passion where there's something burning inside of them 
where they want more. They don't want to settle for just the boring life. And real men that are willing to be honest, it's just simply men willing to live a confessional life. I mean, James 5.16 tells us what a godly man is. We've got that twisted around the axle. Good Lord Almighty. I mean, I hear it. I hear it all the time. I just want him to be a godly man. Well, she's comparing him to the holy man, high and lifted up on the pedestal. And I always say, the problem is, I know those guys. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I mean, it's like, they ain't no different than your husband. They're no different. It's just, they're not, they can't be honest. But James 5.16 says, confess, tell your story, all your story, your whole heart, one to another, in order that, so that you may be healed. Then, <laughs> Jesus is always if then, right? Mm -hmm. this, this unconditional love, that's from the Father. Jesus was always if then. If you do this, then. Now that'll piss some people off too. But that's what he does. Then the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. So what's a righteous man? What's a godly man? Confess to one another. It's ultimately it's repentance. Revival and throughout church history, the greatest revivals, the thing that preceded it was repentance. And that's one of the things in this idea and the bigger picture of what this is all about is calling men back to the true heart of the Father. And we move beyond the facades, the mask, the pretension, the false self. And we begin to get real. We begin to get honest. And we begin to change, as you were talking about earlier. Real change. Real men. Reveal, dig in, freedom. All right, so let me say what you're thinking. Deal? That's going to get messy, isn't it? Mm. Revealing, digging in, living in freedom. Even living in freedom can be messy. Right? That's going to get messy. All right, so let's talk about the Bible for a second. Can we? Man, I feel like we just need to like clear. <laughs> like, I don't, what did you do to this group of people? I did this Phil. Yeah, I don't okay. know. He just did. He numbs right. them out. Okay. Got to wake them up. Yep. All right, so let's go to the garden. It's his music he plays. Yeah. Yep. Let's go. To... <laughs> Man, he is never going to invite you back. Oh, no. Let's go to the garden. Did the garden get messy? You better believe it. Think about this. Put yourself in this scenario. Man's placed in the garden to work it. He's naming all, all the animals. Everything's at rest. Intimacy, connection, spouse and God, all of that. And it goes completely off the rails. They decide to cover themselves. And then God moves in. He asks all these questions that Phil talks about all the time. And, and then what does he do for this man and this woman? He makes skins for them. Okay. What had to happen? Something had to die. 
that got messy. Wait a minute, because of my mistake, we're going to have to kill something? What, what do you even mean? Yes, this animal will have to be sacrificed. See how early God hmm. was teaching this lesson. And you know, Adam named it, named those animals, right? Yeah. You always I mean, tell a child, I grew up on a farm, you never name an animal. <laughs> but he named them. Yeah, right? not for long. That's what you came <laughs> up So that got messy, right? Just imagine the, the trauma of that moment. The cost of, of being revealed. Mm. Where are you? Reveal yourself. What happened? Right? It got messy. Let's, let's talk about Jacob. Bless me. Bless me. Bless Bless me. Man, that whole, that whole man's life was a mess. <laughs> totally. It was a mess. Love Jacob. What happens after this wrestling? His life stayed messy physically. For the rest of it, the man walked with a limp. It got messy. Okay, let's talk about Jesus. Did that get messy? It got messy. Then we see in Jesus, Jesus is like, I'm going towards the mess. I mean, that's kind of like the mission statement of Jesus Christ. I'm going towards the mess. Tenacious. That would be on his website. Tenacious. I'm Jesus. You can hire me. I go towards the mess, right? <laughs> that gets messy. And in the middle of that mess, Jesus looks at one of his friends and says, look after her. That's hard love and a difficult moment. Okay, let's go past Jesus. And we get to Paul. Is that a mess? It was a mess. If you're avoiding mess, you're avoiding your own masculinity. Amen. You got to move towards the mess. What have we convinced ourselves of? We don't have what it takes. Because we're not like the holy man. I'm asking you to reject that model today. Reject the model of the holy man and move into the mess. Because the people that we read about here, the men especially that we read about here, and we talk about Peter all the time. Did that get messy? <laughs> Jesus goes towards the mess. Peter says, I'm disqualified. Here's what I know how to do. Fish. And Jesus says, don't you dare. Don't you run away from the mess. Get in the mess. And here we sit. Here we sit because of his efforts. Would he be grieved over the state of masculinity in the American church? You better believe it. Uh, you better mm. believe it. Jesus transformed planet Earth with way less men than sit in this room. What does God have in store for Jackson, Madison, Ridgeland, the state of Mississippi, our country? I don't believe that God is looking to change it through the White House. That's disassociated. <laughs> what? Sure to hear first. Yeah, I'll be on. I'll be on Fox and Friends tomorrow, <laughs> or whatever, whatever they're talking about now. That's disassociating. That that means that you don't have any responsibility, man. That's a mess. Well, we the, the we pay the pastors to do that. That's a mess. Yeah. Boy, that church is a mess. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Move towards it. You're rejecting mess, you're rejecting your own masculinity, and the Bible is telling you that. Here's the problem is we turn down the mess because the mess is very difficult to preach. It's just a little insider trading. The mess is very difficult to preach because it requires the one preaching it to reveal his own. Mm. That's not safe. It's not safe in our current model in most places. 
thankfully in the one that I've worked in for a while, mm. it's difficult for them to find anybody else to take the job. So, <laughs> so they'll put up with me week after week. Right? I just oh, want to man. plant these seeds because mm. that hard love, that real love, that relational context, the showing up, the revealing, the digging in, the experiencing freedom, it's a scary proposition unless you have someone with you. Real life, real life example. You know, one of the things that uh, even I do in our process uh, that we take a couple through uh, is this um, where there's been sexual uh, betrayal is what we call a formal full disclosure. A formal full disclosure. If you want the marriage, if you want the relationship that God intended you to have, there's no way around that. Secrets are one of the three intimacy killers. I call them the beaver dams on the river of intimacy. Secrets, silence, and judgment. They block the flow of intimacy, not sex. Intimacy, connection, and relationship. And when I tell a guy, this is where we're headed, and we're not going to just, you're going to go home and do that. <laughs> Don't do that. But it's a whole process that we take the couple through in order to get to that place. Every man that I sit with, when I just put that out there, they're like, no way in hell. I'm taking this crap to my grave without exception. And I've been there. I don't, I don't ask guys to do something that I have not done myself. And it's scary as hell to face that dragon. However, it is the very best thing that a couple can do. Couples that go through it will tell us that that was maybe one of the most powerful parts of the whole process. Because now that beaver dam has been blown up. Now you actually, she can make a fully informed decision instead of a half truth decision and i've sat with so many guys in their 60s 70s that are on wife number three wife number four and one of the things that they will they will say invariably you know i cheated on wife number one and we divorced and i never told her man and i always wonder if if I had told her if maybe we could have salvaged that marriage. And they've got so much regret. You will know the truth. And the truth sets us free. And that's an if then. If you live my way, if you live the life that I offer you to live, then you'll know the truth and you'll experience freedom.
I'll tell you the thing that's changed my story so much based on this teaching. I know we're running, we are running short on time, right? Um, we're, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I could do this all day. Amen. I'm still a pastor. I don't really have much to do during the week. Right? <laughs> um, to some degree. So, you get paid to work an hour a week. Yeah, right. That's right. Not even. It's a strong hour, though. You right? have a real job. Man. Yeah. So let me <laughs> let me offer this to you because you need some uh, incentives to begin living this way or more this way. Um, the fact is, we're terrible interpreters of our own story. And until you start sharing that story, you are stuck with your own terrible interpretation. Okay? When we start revealing, the truth has two parts to it. The first part is, yes, the truth that is corrective. That means we've got to change some things. The other part is the truth helps us correct our incorrect interpretation. To have another man sit across from you and say, I hear what you're saying, but that's not how I experience you. Mm. I don't think that's the most true thing about who you are. No, no, you don't understand, man. And then more revealing. If you only knew the things that I had done. What if we could take that out of the conversation, man versus man? I do know the things that you've done. And I'm bringing the truth to who you are. There is a warrior inside of you that is tender, but also is willing to defend the things that matter to him. That's what I see in you. Man, I don't see that in me. This, this is our relationship mm -hmm. on, the, on the deck at Deer Camp. Uh, the most terrifying place on planet. People talk about Deer Camp like, oh my gosh, I just can't wait to get back. I'm like, that, that is a traumatic war zone for me. When I drive up, I'm like, am I going to get out of this truck? I don't know. Strange things happen here, right? Rome comes up to me and says, you are your own worst enemy. You're so difficult on yourself. You know what my response to that was internally? I always felt like I'm not hard enough on myself. Mm. It was corrective truth. So when we start to reveal who we are, then we open up to interpretation. Now, imagine if you roll that out to three or four guys that are safe. They better be safe, by the way. You Amen. bet these people. They better be safe. You open up to them and say, I need some help interpreting this. And then another man, I was able to do this this week for a man in front of five other men. I was able to say to him, that's not your fault. And it broke him. Some of you guys in this room, you, you men in this room, you need somebody to look at you and hear your story and say, dude, mm. that's not your fault. That incorrect interpretation that the enemy, by the way, is going to write chapter after chapter after chapter over your life to say, yep, that's the correct interpretation. That's true. That's true. That's true. And if we're, if we're seeing it all from God and other men, it never gets any air. And a wound that never gets any air gets infected. Then we start losing limbs, and then we're laying in a bed somewhere dying. Mm. Spiritually speaking, that's where I was for a very long time until somebody just dropped a little bit of corrective interpretation into my life. I want that for you, man. We want that for you, man. Amen. I think my microphone died, Jeff. Um, so guys, <clears throat> just that, how do I get from slide four to slide five? <laughs> and the fill in the blank there is practice, 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 practice. Where do you practice relationship? You can't go practice with other women. We're scared to practice with our wives. 
the practice is is this practice is in real authentic community with other men and you begin to work this stuff out it's the only way it works so guess i should let the pastor pray it'll, be, it'll be official if you pray this. yeah i always have to pray to clean up the stuff you say at the end <laughs> right hey let me say this before i do pray i am very appreciative of mm. your attention mm-hmm and feeling in this room the spirit of God moving and connecting with the hearts of men. You had a part to play in that, and I'm grateful. We're, we're grateful. I'll Amen. say it for you. Right? Thank you. Yes. We're, we're grateful. Absolutely. Let's, let's pray together. You are the God of the unexpected. You're the God of restoration. You're the God of healing. You're the God of change. You're the God of freedom. And for these things, God, we are thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, amen. Ah.